This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing <laughs> Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined in Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. G'day, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. How was your weekend? It was good. Uh, bike riding, gardening, and the first batches of strawberry jam. It was a <laughs> successful weekend. Now, on Friday, you disappeared on us. Yes. So, um, my colleague Mel uh, had her and I had been to the warehouse to buy a gift for the van. There was this thing in Fakatani, fill the van with gifts for kids. So we'd gone to the warehouse to get some gifts for that. She'd been waiting outside for me. Put her phone on the roof. We drove away, and her phone disappeared. So we used the Find My Phone app and managed to track it down to a man in a squash club. Um, who was looking after it for her and intended to find her after the game. He'd watched it fly off my car. So nice. What a nice. So, so, um, yeah, so so all was recovered, but I missed being part of that interview with Ryan, which I imagine was pretty awesome because he's such a good dude. That's all right. It's only your boss's boss that you offended. (laughs) And my supervisor. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) All the wrong people. And who are we introducing today? Today, um, I feel really lucky to uh, to be introducing my friend Lorene Hartley. Lorene is a really important person in our community. Um, she's a community development practitioner. She um, is quite funny. If you look at all of the good things that are happening in our community, uh, it's not hard to see her hand in them. Um, she's an amazing facilitator, and um, she just makes good things happen for families. And I, I really appreciate that about her. And she comes from a family that has been really a long, long-term engagement in this local community and business and in, in all sorts of areas. So, but she can tell her story a lot better than I can. Welcome, Lorene. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you, Maweda. Welcome, everyone. welcome, Lorene. How was your bubble life? Uh, quite challenging, actually. Um, yeah, I've got a sweet son, so we were in lockdown for about three months. Um, and uh, uh, close by, about 10 minutes away. I have uh, folks who are nearly 80, so, you know, just making sure they're okay. So, of course, from a community perspective, kind of can't look after the community until you've got your own backyard sorted. Um, but also, um, it's really cautious of the, uh, where people are at during that time in our own community um, and the impact that, you know, that has had on everyone. Um, and of course, that is part of our exit bubble. Um, you know, um, I have patients with a lot of the vulnerable communities here in Fatani and connecting with them online to make sure that they uh, their needs are being met. Um, 
and yeah, so I did limited work hours and did other kind of work during that time. Um, and so, you know, just a really different time for all of us, time to reflect um, and time to really reprioritize what's important to ourselves as well. It sounds as though you had your hands full. Is that a is that a general rule about sorting yourself before the community? It's a bit like the um, fixing the adjust your um, fix your own face mask on the plane before before attending to the needs totally. of others. Yeah, yeah, and they say that you know if you're a parent and you're on aeroplane, they say do your own mask before you do your children because you know um, as a parent you've got to be. Um, carry yourself to drink, uh, be well, um, and um, in that kind of uh, position before you can really make any influence over um, your children, your grandchildren. Um, somehow I've managed to whangai or foster my grandson who's now living with me, but, um, but you know, it's true. And, and for decades, I mean, I've done this kind of work for decades. For decades, there's a whole talk around social workers around, you know, if they've, they've gone through the grief, but maybe there's stuff that they need to work on because something has gone on in their own lives during their childhood or adolescenthood. They need to get that sorted before they can start to counsel or do any sort of therapy with any client. Um, it's a really important part of um, working with the community. Uh, yes, you've, your whānau has to be number one, but, and then, you know, and then you're doing that, though, you know, really open to the community. Um, um, and I, I pretty much live and breathe that. So what does a community development practitioner do? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting to define it because uh, those that work in this space have different <laughs> definitions, but basically it's to um, respond to whatever it, whatever the community's needs and aspirations are. Um, and so if you're thinking about a geographical community, um, and you can drill right down to, say, the elderly of that community or the children of that community, um, and depending on what community you're talking about, there will be a whole lot of complex structures, needs, and uh, you name it. So we work in terms of responding to whatever that is, and in particularly it's around what the needs are of that sector or community. And how did the community cope through the COVID lockdown and beyond? Well, from what I've heard, what I've and what I've seen online, people talking to each other and um, being quite, um, you know, forward with their thinking, um, is that um, a lot of family members um, have helped out with other family members, helped out with friends, helped out with community. People have, uh, for example, if someone's unwell, someone's isolating, someone is in isolation or lockdown or whatever, um, the community has really wrapped themselves around that particular family and, um, you know, done their shopping or gone to the chemist or done whatever it is that that person needs. So, um I think the community on a whole has responded really well to it. We've been really fortunate that we haven't had any positive cases in our own community, although down the road there has been. So, you know, keep a close out on, eye on that. Um, it's a small community, so everyone knows each other, um, and people look out for each other um, on, a, on a normal kind of day. So on a 
um, COVID kind of days even more so and you know people um, are making a real conscious effort to be kind, um, to be courteous, to be you know and really look after each other. Um, yeah it's real kudos to the people of this community. <laughs> How do you know if you're doing a good job? What's the measure of success? <laughs> well, depending on what you're doing, you know, like, um, but usually when I'm with community, they tell me. <laughs> uh, we have um, authentic conversations because we have authentic relationships. Um, and when you have those authentic relationships, you can talk straight, be honest. Sometimes, you know, conversations that need to stay in that space. Um, but, um, yeah, and, and I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I've um, in the Murtipata community during a project three years. Never worked in there before. I was new to Whakatane. Um, I've been here about a year from West Auckland. Um, and the community really opened themselves up to me over time. Um, and that's because I needed them to, I needed to get people to um, know me, to um, gain some trust and integrity with them. Um, and we had a wonderful time working together. So some measurements around, you know, how many homes we have been able to upgrade, um, how many people have come to um, community days, um, but also what what are the health impact? How many have gone through um, A and E in those years? How you know how many have had rheumatic fever? I mean, I can go on and on and on, but um, there's a whole lot of measurables, but. You know, there are also something that are more about relationship. Um, community development can only happen through these quality, authentic relationships. Um, and we can have all the measures in the world. But uh, that's my belief anyway, is that, um, you know, you can't actually, you actually, you've got, you got to do the groundwork. You've got to start at 101 first <laughs> and go through steps before you can even get into a project. So um, I work on the basis of really old school community development or community work where, you know, you bake some scones and you go along to someone's <laughs> house <laughs> and you hope that they'll kind of like maybe maybe put the billy on. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, um, within a month I'd been invited into people's homes and, you know, was offered a biscuit and um, a cup of coffee and um, and that's when you know that's that's a measurable outcome in terms of you know that you're do, you do, you're uh, connecting with them and you're having conversations with them and and they're actually engaged with you. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Ricky Lee Jones, Chucky's in Love. Why this one? Well, I have great memories of the song. I was young. I can't actually how old I was, but maybe a kid up, maybe about eight or nine. And I had this wonderful next door neighbour, and he always had parties. And I always used to go over there and his wife to make beautiful bread. I'd go over there on a Saturday morning and pick feijoas from my tree, and we'd trade. Um, and um, and when they ever had a gathering, I would go over to their house, and they had some great big, huge um uh, you know, beautiful bungalow house, that great big huge veranda, you know, the 
the ideal home that I've always wanted. Um, but anyway, you know, they play this little young girl, you know, watching all these adults. And I remember hearing this particular song at that particular house at a particular party that they had. Um, and at some point in the early evening, I was kind of like told it was it was time to go home now because I was kind of thinking a bit much. <laughs> um, but I have real fond memories of this song, and um, I was I was known in the neighbourhood to go round and adopt um, older people, well, older people, you know, people over the age of 50 or 60, and they would become my grandparents because my grandparents lived away, and so I established all these relationships, these um, <laughs> older people in my neighbourhood, um, and I would bake for them, and I'd go over, and they'd bake for me, and, um, you know, I'd take my dog over, and we'd, I learnt how to weave with a loom, um, um, and, yeah, I probably had about six different, um, to me, you know, eight, nine-year-old, older, uh, older people that I would, I would just go and visit and sit down and have a cup of tea with um, and talk to. Um, and I learned a lot from them. I mean, one was a um, principal, one was a um, retired couple, you know, one was, I, I think it was a businessman. Um, I come from a well-known family and so... Um, that's probably where I learned to kind of like just kind of get to know people and sometimes too much, but uh, develop some relationship. But yeah, this song uh, to me is a party song, and um, you know that's that's where I first heard the song. I think it was like maybe even '77, maybe something around there. <laughs> Got up his 
say you've been practicing this community development thing since you were a little kid and going around to much, the, going, going around to visit people's houses i presume that that came to a, an abrupt halt during the the lockdown but is, is it back to that is, have you gotten back to to going around with the scones um kind of people are still a bit very much in that post covid you know if you've got a bit of a cough <coughs> oh got go away now you know um people are still very much um you know if you uh, if you've got a sniffle you're therefore unwell and you should be at home um and people aren't wanting to you know necessarily welcome you into their home if, um just yeah i mean that's just the environment that we're currently in um although people are still meeting up um um and we're still you know um we might be having virtual coffee <laughs> um, but of course in some communities it doesn't necessarily um work so we are still out there we're just starting to get out there um we're just in the midst of planning some summer events um and so you know we'll probably be hitting the roads about january you talked about how a lot of what you do is responding to the needs of communities have those needs changed i wonder if the the like the long-term visions of the community has changed I, I I don't think the long-term vision has changed. I think that's still intact and still remains. I think that people are looking at different ways of actually working, um, different ways to interact with people um, that aren't, you know, mass gatherings um, are much more intimate um, in terms of, you know, lower numbers. Um, and so, it, it, yeah, it, it's it's different in terms of um, how we might go about doing things. So rather than having a whole of a community approach, we might drill it right down to kind of like um, the sectors within that community or um, uh, specific interest groups so that, you know, we're limiting the numbers. We've, we've just... You know, we're still in that, very much in that post-COVID environment and still needing to be really, really mindful um, that we that there's a lot of um, vulnerability in our community um, and they're the ones with the most need, so they're not necessarily getting out and about. Um, and so, hey, uh, social media, internet is a great way to connect with a lot of people, um, but it's also families are doing a lot more families and friends are doing a lot more to enable those that maybe aren't so internet savvy to actually be able to connect um i mean for example we just had a uh every agm by zoom for the first time uh, you know and i would sit there with my dad who's not really a zoom kind of person um and we were there at the agm together uh, of our own iwi um so People are doing things a bit differently, and I think that people are looking, particularly, you know, um, um, my generation, Maoris, 
your generation are probably um, the real leaders have become real leaders in terms of and that well are maybe more enablers um, in terms of making things happen because it might have been you know the generation older than us but they should theoretically be staying at home still. People are talking about whether or not we're returning to business as usual, and, and most people are saying it's not business as usual. It's some kind of weird new normal, or yeah. business as unusual. Is it the same for community? Is it business? Is it community totally. as unusual? Yeah, totally. There are there are more needs in the community than there were before because of the environment that we're currently in. You know, um, <clears throat> it's okay for us if. We can do online shopping and it can be delivered and it's, you know, non-contactless. But what about people that don't even have um, broadband because they, uh, it doesn't go to their house um, or whatever, you know, they live rural. We have a lot of rural communities here. Um, and, you know, the, yeah, the needs are really different. They're probably heightened. Um, so, for example, you know, there's talk about, for example, homelessness that were housed in motels during COVID and now post-COVID, now where did they go? Um, and there's a heck of a lot of conversations going on, um, not just in Whakatane, but regionally and nationally around what do we do uh, with our homeless? Um, that's just one. That's just one vulnerable sector, you know. What about people with disabilities? They can't, you know, they have a compromised immunity symptom. They can't, they shouldn't be out in the supermarkets right now. Um, doctors aren't really opening their doors. They're doing phone consults. Um, how do we support the disability sector to get the needs that they, um, they need to operate and function on a daily basis? So... The community, um, I mean, it's just two examples. I could go on and on, but, you know, the community needs have heightened and we need to find a way to respond. So we, um, those of us in community work, community development, are really um, more so, more than ever, really needing to collaborate um, because, um, you know, the needs are so great. And you've seen what iwi and hapu organisations have managed to do during this time for their own people, um, which is awesome. We've seen we've seen some things come out of central government, for example, PGF, which has been fantastic for a lot of communities. But what else? What else is going on and how else can we contribute and make a difference? Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mahi aroha no kia koutou, kata ahau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, and a beloved verse, and I really hope that wherever you are, whatever is happening around this journey, all on the path has proven to be very rewarded, very sustained, and illuminated for you, and who you are, a triumph of nature's perfect year, mate. Thank you. So I know that we've all had a very interesting time together this year, and I'm so grateful for these five minutes together each day. It's really helped me enormously throughout this year. And as we head towards the end of the year, of course, we start to 
turn our thinking and our expectations towards ritual togetherness and I will be very excited to be involved with the Fire Flat Festival again this year running the children's program Musical Nature which of course is going to be very amazing and I'm very lucky that Dr Barbara Anderson will be joining me so there'll be lots and lots of celebrations in the natural world happening, very exciting. It's also of course a time when we think about spending time with those we love and this may be people we are related to quite closely, it might be our family, it might be a family that we have created ourselves, it might be a family that we're not closely related to but we are brought together by the power of unconditional love. And I've been very fortunate to have a very unconventional family set up that works really well, raised by three friends. So a large extended whanau brought together by unconditional love. I really hope that for everybody, we can all feel that sense of family around us, whether it's with other human life forms, whether it's with our beautiful companion from other species, or whether it's just a sense of that infinite connection to all life in that beautiful web. However we understand family and whānau, I really hope that we sense of it all the time, especially as we head towards the end of the year. So, of course, having our family around us can be very helpful, can help us to reacquaint ourselves with ourselves throughout our life, remember who we are, who we have been, return us to our essential nature, can be very helpful. And it can also... It, at times make that process of connection to self harder. So I'm feeling very lucky that my time with my family is, is being helpful. But I know that at other times and for other people it's not. And so I really hope that for you, getting that balance right between a supportive familial context where you are in connection with yourself is going really well. Of course the other aspect of heading towards the end of the year is all of the cultural rituals associated with this time. So I'm in the process of creating huge Christmas tree trees which will light up, become emceeing the lighting of the Christmas tree in the octagon this year. It's very, very exciting. So I'll be emceeing all the beautiful musical acts, these things happening, be counting down as it's darker and darker, and I think at 9.30, and hopefully it will be very dark. I will be involved with the actual lighting up of the big giant Christmas tree. And of course, at the same time, my giant Christmas tree dress will light up. So it's very exciting and a wonderful creative project to be engaged with time. So I really hope that for you, whatever's happening around you, you're feeling connection support from all life throughout your space ever in an infinite web. You are feeling that appreciation you are and you are enjoying crafting your own rituals and your own series of really rewarding celebration. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Lorreen Hartley. We've seen lots of changes, lots of societal changes over the last few months. What do you think might stick and what do you hope will stick? I think that the fact that uh, people's mindsets and the way that people are interacting with each other has changed a lot. Um, and, you know, um, I had to remind the other day uh, the government agency, hey, if the Prime Minister can be talking about let's be kind with each other, then that can drill down to local government, down community and business. Um, I think that no matter where you sit in the political spectrum, there's a lot of learning that has happened over time, over these last few months. So 
you know, whether you tick the box or not, that's probably not so much of a concern. But let's just be kinder to each other because we're all still so hung up on what we have to do as individuals and what we're trying to achieve as family and what we want to do as a community. And so, but there are different ways to approach um, each other. Uh, what what it is that we're tasked to do together. Um, <clears throat> we need to collaborate more. Um, you know, um, local government, government, um, iwi, hapu, um, <clears throat> business sector, community sector. I think it's been a, an opportunity for us to really come together that maybe some opportunities haven't been there in the past. Um, and it's probably, we've talked about decades <laughs> Um, but it's really pushed us a little corner, I suppose, of um, enabling us to do this in a in a in a way that's not time bound um, to get it right, um, so that we can, you know, support businesses more. You know, um, you know, just the fact that you could be talking to someone you don't really know that well, but you talk to them like there could be someone that they know very very close to them that has just lost their job or that their business is on the brink of closing or that they're trying to work with somebody that needs um, a house to rent or they've just come out of winter and they're sick because they've got no insulation in their home or they're a disabled person and they haven't, haven't had any support for months. You know, like so much going on. So when we're talking to people, really not making any assumptions but really just you know being kind to each other really makes a difference i've got to say that so you're hoping that that be kind will endure but it raises for me the question of what were we thinking we were doing before why do we need an instruction to be kind we were so so focused on an outcome so so focused um i mean everyone right the business focused on making a profit um, community organisations are um, so focused on meeting the demands of whatever contract, whatever funding they've got. Um, I mean, it goes on and on and on. But we're in such a different environment now that it, it, it enables us to really have some good quality conversations about what actually really are the priority for us. Um, and they may not be any front, but some of the elements might have slightly changed. Um, and we really need to put people that are in the room together um, first. You know, we need to kind of like really work on our own self and then in the group collective, their own selves, and then expand it wider and wider. Um, I might not be making any sense, but it, it is very much, I suppose, as I said right at the beginning, it's about unless you've got your own self and your own backyard or your own collective sorted, um, you, you must really do that. Um, and that is, like, honestly, it is about um, authenticity. It is about um, integrity and being accountable as well and transparent and all of those things. But through, um, yeah, just um, if you're not authentic, then you just might as well kiss the dust and say goodbye. <laughs> so you're talking about the people together in a room talking. Let's have the people talking it over in bed, which is your second music choice. Why this one? I love the lyrics. Um, I was once married, um, but um, friendships or any form of relationships, you know, um, there's also, you know, that saying about um, a problem shared, a problem halved, or something like that. Um, but yes, don't go to bed with whatever burdens or problems that you have. Talk about it. 
And even if you're in a relationship or friendship or whatever it is, um, even if it means talk it over in bed.
Corinne, what what role do you think imagination plays in the work that you do and your ability to manage all of these projects and 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 see the need for them? Mm. Well, that's a damn good question. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say I necessarily imagine or have any much imagination. Um, um, I kind of see myself much more as facilitating a creative means, which might mean the same thing or might not, depending on what your definition is, you know, but your definition might be different to mine and might be different to Joe Bloggs, you know, or Tummy down the road. Um, but it is, it is definitely, we all have, you know, we all want the means to be able to dream big. And so if we want to, if we dream big, then we can pull it back down and imagine, well, what does that, what does that look like? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for my children? What does that mean for my family? What does that mean for my community? Um, and to me, that's, uh, I suppose I kind of like pull together um, creativity and, and imagining the vision or whatever it is. Um, it's part of your, it's part of your role helping communities to do that. I imagine that sometimes it's really easy to get blinkered by the day to day. Yeah, very much so. Um, you know, communities will be so focused on the micro, in other words, you know, the issues of the day, of the week, of the year. Um, but that's because when you have complex needs you can't see past those um, and so it's about facilitating a conversation with them about lifting lifting up the thoughts into if you had all of those things met and resolved for you what do you think your life might look like in five years or your community might look like um, and what are the things that you need to enable that to happen? And who needs to come around the table to have these conversations? Um, and who in the community is actually going to lead this? Um, so, yes, um, they do, and we sometimes do think in that kind of detail, functional level, but um, it's about just having... Um, back to that authentic relationship conversation level um, once you have that you know you can do anything pretty much so I have some questions to end the show with what is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years well um, probably finally finished my degree um, I started a long long time ago and I've been studying part-time um, and I've been working full time and I've been raising children um, and balancing all of that. Um, and then I have a break and then I do another paper. And, you know, so um, most people think, you know, I've got a master's degree or something of some kind. But, you know, just even getting my bachelor's was such a big deal for me because I've been studying it for about 12 years to the point of you've got about two years to finish off or it's not <laughs> going to be relevant anymore. <laughs> Um, 
Um, and yeah, so, so recently it was that. I've had, I mean, I've had a few, you know, awards around community development and some of the work that I do, but um, um, you know, and in the past I've represented New Zealand and in different international conferences, but you know, I've also supported. We have a family business as well um, in aviation, and we work overseas, and I'm. Um, I suppose, I mean, I volunteer my services to this company, but I do a lot of the um, tractual um, advisory work um, with our company, um, and um, a lot of that is also around um, that we actually have the managing director as a key relationships person, and then we have um, key, you know, staff of contractors doing specific work but you know through our business um, and my father has been stern in this uh, and that's probably where I've got my dedication of hard work and excellence from you know and and what really really driving um, to exceed um, is that you know is from him and that um, you know we've we've got this international company and um, it's we do it under the radar, you know. We don't. We don't. We've never had any government investments. We've um, we've put into the company what what we've managed to get out of it. Um, but it's very much based on some key values, which is all about forming relationships with particular people um, in, in a particular country that my dad wants to work in. Um, and and from the relationships with these key people comes a contract to our business and then we do the work but without the relationship it wouldn't happen um we we don't tender for a contract without meeting them we go over my dad goes over and meets with them everything in the business is based on authentic relationships um and i mean we're talking you know we're talking a multi-million dollar company um not that we would talk about the company in that way but we would talk about it more in terms of its values and ethics. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing <laughs> is, good work. Is, yeah, and, and, and he is a hero. People talk about him, a hero. Well, I'm, um, I'm, describing, I'm describing you as a hero, <laughs> and I want to know what your superpower is. <laughs> I'm save, um, saving that I save grades. I save people back, backsides. Um, and I run around like a loose chop making sure that um, details are covered to enable the shining stars to shine brightly. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Totally. And what motivates you? I say that because if I wasn't working for any government organisation in my life, uh, uh, the only time I have ever protested has been on my own whenua in Whanganui. But I really see myself as an activist and, and a protester, and I have said to my current employer a few years ago, if you continue to go down this line, I will put up a flag, my protest flag. Um, so I am an activist, I am a feminist, um, and I have very strong you know, values and beliefs, um, you know, all around equality, really. Um, and that's you know that's me, but I think not that my dad's a feminist, but I but I think that um, actually me and and my sister as well, um, who works in the corporate sector, we we are both very driven uh, women. So, what challenge are you looking forward to in the next year or so? Well, that's interesting. Um, I have put um, 
nine to ten years into um, my son who has um, special needs. Um, and in January this year, I decided that um, he is um, such a good space that I can afford now to put more time into myself. Um, and that um, I'm on a bit of a well-being journey, I suppose. Um, you know, um, yeah, um, that's pretty much what I, what's driving me individually at the moment, um, and at, at least personally. Um, but I also am very driven by um, my dad asked me to help him a few years ago to establish his other EV connections, and so I've been doing quite a bit of research um, um, around that, and we've got one line to go. Um, so we've found about three lines of missions. We've got one to go. So my mission is that before he leaves this earth, um, that we will have we will have covered. And then I'm writing a book. Well, not really a book. I'm writing a story of our, our tipuna, um, and um, and it's really it's really focused around um, my father, really. Um, and so yeah, I'm I'm doing it for him. Yeah. Lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? All I would say is just go with your heart. Whatever your heart is telling you, what's right, what's wrong, what to do next. Um, you know, you're thinking about career, you're thinking about study, you're thinking about your own life, children, whatever it is, your community, whatever. Just go with whatever your heart is telling you to go with because usually that's your instinct and that's right. Um, and that's what your soul is wanting you to do. So, you know, it presents you with a whole lot of opportunities. It might present you with a few challenges, but, um, you know, just go for gold. Keep going, keep going, you know, never give up. And, and if you're struggling, put your hand up and say, I, I need help. Uh, so Because there's so many people um, in our community and in our nation that help you know, other people. So, you know, if you're one of those people that are going through something at the moment, please put your hand up. Please ask for help because somebody will respond to you. Thank you for that. Moira. Marine um, Community Development, um, you guys are the biggest moving target. You always get the blame when things go wrong and you really get the accolades when things go right. Yeah. But I appreciate you so much and, I, and I'm really glad that I, that I work in a, in a, um, with a group of people who also appreciate all the work that you do. And we sing your praises all the time. We appreciate you and thank you for the commitment that you've made to our community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. I, I hope some boys think to show picked just one thing that I might have said and either resonates with it, connects with it, or knows somebody that can connect um, and to continue to do some great work in their own community um, because wherever we are, you know, there's something happening, there's something going on with somebody. Um, and so, you know, be kind, uh, look after each other, um, really importantly, so look after yourself. Thank you.
listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We've had a contribution from Tahu McKenzie. This is John Mellencamp's Small Town. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay, Dunedin, with Mawira Karatai in Fakatani and also in Fakatani. Laureen Hartley. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.